You're listening to Living with Louie. Okay, and welcome back to this edition of Living with Louie. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing an American who lives abroad. Her name is Jacqueline. Jacqueline has a unique set of circumstances that she's kind of dealing with a double whammy with uh, uh, something called PCA along with her Louis body. And so I'm going to say good morning, Jacqueline. Good morning, Larry. How are you? I am great. And I'd like for you to go ahead and, and, and explain what, what, you're, what you're having to deal with because I think it's very interesting. So I have a rare early onset dementia, which is called posterior cortical atrophy. And this is very unique in the world of dementia. Many people don't know that there are more than one type of dementia. There are actually over a hundred types of dementia. So not every dementia presents in the same way. Not all start with memory issues or cognitive problems. So with PCA, it's called the visual variant of Alzheimer's. Patients are gonna present with some sort of visual problem. And that's why it's so hard to diagnose. You're, you're gonna have some odd visual problems. You're not really gonna think that something is wrong in your brain. 80% of the PCA patients have an underlying Um, diagnosis of ultimate Alzheimer's. The remaining 20% have either Lewy body dementia, corticobasal syndrome, or prion disease. I happen to have the double whammy of PCA and Lewy body. So I don't really have a lot of cognitive or memory problems at this point. I have more uh, tremors and twitches, and we'll, we'll get to that. Because of the early symptoms being so vague, it often takes one to three years to diagnose it. And really, until you get to a neurologist in a brain scan, it's very unlikely that a general practitioner or another physician is going to diagnose it. So let's get into my early symptoms and how unusual they are and how it gets you to, in my case, I think five different doctors which is crazy. So my earliest symptoms were blurred vision, and I had a real problem seeing the the gas uh, flames on my stove. So I didn't realize, especially in daylight, that I had left the burners on. And in the gas oven, I couldn't really see if the gas flames were on. So initially I thought I had just forgotten to turn the stove off, but as the disease progressed and I understood that this is very visual, I realized that I I simply couldn't see the blue flame. Then I started to have tinnitus. So I had this constant ringing in my ears, which sent me to two different ENT doctors. The first of whom told me I was a type A, no kidding. And he said, I I likely had uh, TMJ and I needed to meditate. What is TMJ? uh, uh, It's the problem with with your jaw. It's like your jaw is out of alignment. So I just 
I didn't want to laugh in his face, but I left the office and I said to my GP, do not ever send a woman to that doctor again. And I went to uh, another doctor, a young female whippersnapper, who put a camera in my ear and looked around and I could see it on the screen. And she said, there's no structural reason for your tinnitus, but let's send you for a sinus CT to make sure that you don't have a sinus problem that's you know causing this. Of course, the sinus CT was fine. Then I had a problem um, swallowing. It felt like not every day. Now, all of these symptoms are really not every day. They come and go, except the tinnitus is still pretty much every day. So I had this swallowing problem, and it felt like something was stuck in my throat. And so off I went to my gastroenterologist who did an endoscopy, didn't see any obstructions in the esophagus and said, well, maybe you have acid reflux, gave me some acid reflux medication, which of course it wasn't acid reflux. Uh, as you get into this disease, you understand that you often have issues with the autonomic nervous system. And so swallowing issues becomes just one of those symptoms. I had problems driving. Now living abroad, I don't drive here. I live in a very walkable city. It's very convenient. But when I go back to the U.S. to visit my family and friends, I drive. And so starting, I would say, three years ago, I noticed real problems, not with driving the car, but with parking the car. And so I would try to parallel park, and I couldn't judge the distance, and then I was way off of the curb. And I grew up in New England. I, I'm the queen of parallel parking. So to have this parking issue all of a sudden was very strange. And so I started to accommodate and I wouldn't try to park in between cars. I would just drive farther down the block where I could just easily not have to deal with distance or judging, you know, am I too close to a car and pull at a curb where no one was around me. And the same thing in a parking lot. Okay, I'm having trouble parking in between two cars. So I'll just go to the end of the parking lot where no one is around me. So driving problems is really one of the earliest symptoms because you're having problems judging distance. I also started having problems playing games. This is a funny story because I love to play games. I'm very competitive. I actually worked for a, a toy and game company a long time ago. And I had to play games all day, every day, testing, testing various games. So my friends What a job. Knew, I mean, where do I sign up for that? I know. I know you think it's a great job until you've played the same game, you know, 20 times, three days in a row. And you're supposed to be finding out if people like this game before you bring it to market. So it, it sounds glamorous <laughs> until loses, you're just really tired of playing the game. It does. It does. It does. It really does. So the games that I was having problems with involved small game pieces like dominoes. We played Mexican train dominoes a lot. And in Mexican train, they are dominoes and they're also different colored dots on the dominoes. Another game called Blockus, they're also small game pieces, but they're different shapes and different colors. Uh, so my issue really was game pieces that have shapes, 
different dots, different colors. And these were very familiar games to me. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm having problems. I'm having problems with the pieces. I think they're different pieces. I think they're different numbers on the dominoes. And, and I'm not winning anymore. And it's a joke. My friends are saying, are you letting us win? And I just laugh. I think as if I would let you win. Don't be ridiculous. And again, I think that it's memory related because this is early on. And I think, okay, I've got the beginning of dementia, like my family. I think it's memory, memory related. I'm having problems strategizing two or three steps ahead. But no, it's issues with the shapes and the colors and the dots. It's a visual problem. Then I'm having smell hallucinations. And primarily, I would smell skunk. So That's not very these are mostly, It's not pleasant. It's no. not pleasant. But you know what it is. It's very distinct. Yeah. So mm, the smell hallucinations would be mostly in the evening. So it would be dark and I'm smelling skunk. And I open the slider, go out of my terrace. Of course, I'm looking for a skunk. And, and then I called downstairs to my neighbor. I'm also American. And I said, do you smell skunk? He said, no, I don't smell skunk. I said, go out on your terrace and tell me if you smell skunk. Mm, no, no skunk. As it turns out, there are no skunks in this country. They don't exist. So, so I'm smelling things that just, they don't exist. And right. that was Not my very there. first, right. That was my very first smell hallucination. But again, I'm not putting any of this together. The next was I started to have muscle twitches, but only in my right big toe. And I've had a couple of back surgeries because of car accidents, actually have four screws in my back. So off I went to the neurosurgeon who did another MRI. He said, there's nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing wrong. Everything is the same. I don't know why you're having those muscle twitches. He gave me some Lyrica. Make sure you take this every day. You can't just take it when you have a twitch. Okay, fine. And then um, when I go back to the U.S., uh, every time I go back, I have an eye exam to get new, a new prescription. So I was having blurred vision. And I went to the eye doctor. I was in Salt Lake City visiting my daughter. I went to the doctor and I said, I'm having blurred vision. I live abroad every year when I'm in the U.S., I get my eye exam, get my new prescription. And I said, I'm really having some blurred vision. So I know that I need a stronger prescription. I wear both contacts and progressive lenses. And he did the exam and he said, there's nothing wrong with your eyes. I see no reason for the blurred vision. And actually your prescription is a little bit on the strong side. So if anything, if I were going to change your prescription, I would back it up a little bit on the power. I said, oh, no, no, <laughs> there's definitely something wrong and I'm having blurred vision. So you're definitely not reducing the power of my prescription. Goodbye. Thank you very much. But I was arguing with him a little bit that there was definitely something wrong. And I made an appointment for another doctor. And on to the next doctor and said the same thing. And the next doctor said the same thing. There's nothing wrong. There's no organic reason for your blurred vision. Have a nice day. Mm -hmm. And I would say the two symptoms 
that are very typical in the, in the beginning is the blurred vision and the problems driving. Right. They're and both. And that's like a depth right. perception issue with the driving. It, it is. It is absolutely depth perception. It's a visual spatial problem. That was the problem with mm -hmm. playing the games. It's visual spatial. And um, also you're going to start maybe start to fall. So you're going to have some clumsiness. In my case, in the past uh, year and a half, I have fallen down the stairs twice. I have just fallen generally once. And in the course of all of that, I broke my foot in two places. I broke my wrist in three places and I broke two fingers. So I would say you're going to see a lot of clumsiness. Maybe you're going to have problems pouring things. You, you might be pouring your coffee and you spill it on the counter because of depth perception. You think the cup is in a different place than it really is. So the, the whole point of this, Larry, isn't the whole point to bring awareness to those early symptoms that just don't seem related to anything. I think that you're is, just that that's exactly all of it. what we're both trying to accomplish is to increase the awareness and uh, and certainly people being better able to convey the early symptoms uh, to their medical team is paramount, I think, in getting a proper diagnosis. Right. Because you and I both belong to a lot of uh, support groups, online support groups, and we see a number of things. We see people who are told by their physicians, there's nothing wrong with you. People are being told, oh, no, you don't have dementia. I have stopped using the word dementia because it has such a not only a negative connotation, but when you say I have a rare early onset dementia, people focus on the word dementia, and then they start to microanalyze the way you're speaking, your behavior, your memory, and my memory is pretty good. You can see my cognitive abilities, my speech, it's fine. And so what happens is when, when I say I have dementia, people say, you don't have dementia. You don't sound like you have dementia, and they wanna argue with your diagnosis. So just recently I have started saying, I have a rare neurological disorder that affects my visual spatial abilities. And it's amazing how just changing uh, how I describe my disease changes the perception mm -hmm. in the public or among my friends. They go, oh, okay, and, and they just get on with it. They don't start to microanalyze what I'm doing or what I'm saying. So I encourage people, yes, it is a dementia, but maybe the way you describe it will affect the way people react to it. I think that's interesting how people's uh, perception of what's going on uh, changes uh, based on the terminology that you use to describe it. I think that's really interesting that that you uh, that you change things and and. Uh, and realize just what a difference that makes. I mean, the difference between dementia and saying that you have a uh, a rare neurological condition. Um, I think that uh, that's interesting to me how that changes and, and perceptions are altered with just the difference of a word. 
people that are, are close to you and, and, and have some medical knowledge, mm -hmm. they still have preconceived uh, notions as to what the causes are and what it should look like. Right. And I see people in the support group suggesting herbs and these supplements. So I, I guess the part that I skipped is this is a progressive disease. There is no treatment. There is no cure. It, you know, it is going to progress. Um, and depending on the person, I see some people are, you know, progress in four years. The average is eight years. Some people may live longer than that. But for me, you know, I don't view life as ending when my body dies. In my opinion, my life will end for me when I no longer have my cognitive abilities, my physical abilities, when my autonomic system, you know, shuts down. But let's talk about some of the next symptoms that people are very likely to have. And these are the things that I, I've experienced, let's say, in the past year or two. And it is, it is progressive. And a lot of these things no one else would see or understand. Um, but I continue to have hallucinations. Um, I had uh, really a terrifying, terrifying sleep hallucination or part of REM sleep disorder. I, I don't even know what you call it, but I had those huge uh, curly dreams. Frightening dreams. Mine was like the the sheep with the curled horns. I don't know what that breed is called, but Rams. they were, tr yeah, trampling me in my bed, and it was so real and it was terrifying. And and it, and so you have a dream like that or a hallucination like that, and you're like, oh my god, this is terrible. And then then I haven't had another one for six months. So this is a disease that is not. You have these same symptoms or same issues every day. No, it's, every day is, yeah, every day is a crapshoot. You have no idea what the next day is going many, to be. I've said many times that uh, the, the thing that fascinates me about this is that you never know what you have till you get up. And even then it can change at any time during the day. Right, right exactly. I have a terrible time uh, distinguishing coins in my hand. I live in a country where everything is a coin until you get to the five, let's call it dollar, five dollar currency. Everything below a five is a coin. And I have a terrible time distinguishing coins. And I was in a shop the other day and the, the item cost, let's 175. And I pulled out all my coins and I looked at my hand and I just said to myself, just don't even try. And I handed my handful of coins to the cashier and let her pick out what she needed. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is that important? No. Um, it's inconvenient, but it's not one of, of the symptoms that is just critical, you know, to life. I joke that one of the, we've talked about this, one of the tests that doctors like to do is, can you draw a clock? seems to be their favorite test. Yeah. Oh, let's see if you can draw a clock and, you know, put put the arms of the clock at three o'clock or whatever they'll tell you. Well, I can draw a clock, but I can't tell the difference between a quarter and a nickel. So 
Yeah. So I think about the t- the test that people are are experiencing, and the doctor saying, "Well, you can draw a clock, you're fine," but you're really not. No, you know, I mean, it's like a I, one I made, size fits all type approach. You know, right? And one of the symptoms is you don't see things that are right in front of you. And I had a perfect example yesterday. I, as you know, I have a friend coming from the states this week, so I was making some breakfast cookies to just have for her. And I set out all the ingredients on my kitchen counter. I had everything measured out, portioned out. And yesterday morning I made the cookie dough and put it in the freezer. And as I was cleaning up, I saw the bowl of spices sitting on the counter. (laughs) There it was. I I just... I am chuckling only because I went to make chocolate chip cookies and followed the recipe. Well, you know, it tells you to mix all these ingredients in a bowl. Then it says, set that bowl aside. Then it says to mix all these other ingredients in a bowl and dip them out onto the baking pan. At no point did it say combine the two bowls. And that never (laughs) registered in my mind. And I ended up with these fudge swirl mess in my oven and i just scraped it off into the dry ingredients and went ahead and made cookies i ended up with chocolate swirled chocolate chip cookies but um yeah right it's uh i found that to be interesting that you left the spices right well listen we are running short on time for this episode so um i i would like to um certainly uh Let's uh, let's continue this because I think that your story is definitely uh, uh, a good one and one that uh, will help many listeners. Very good. Thanks, Larry. I'll talk to you soon. All right. We'd like to thank you for joining us for this edition of Living with Louie. 